Jeff Tengate, welcome to the Morning Shakeout podcast. Thanks for having me, Mario. So, I mean, you and I have known each other for a few years now. We run in a lot of the same circles, and you're one of probably less than five people that I know who owns more running shoes than I do. So the only obvious place to start here is by asking you, what shoes did you last run in? Uh, I ran in the Nike Zoom Vaporfly 4% last night. It was a race night, so uh, I went with some fast shoes. Against and your saw, advice, by the way. Yeah, and I saw you post that on Instagram, and I, I was shocked because I don't consider the Vaporfly, and I love the Vaporfly. I wore it for the Boston Marathon. It's a, it's a great long-distance shoe, and especially a race like Boston where there aren't many turns, but I just don't feel like it's a very nimble shoe for a faster, more intense race like a, a 5K or three-and-a-half-miler in your case. But you said that wasn't the case with the course. They, did they serve you all right? Yeah, you know, I've worn it in a couple of 5Ks now, and this was a three and a half mile race in Central Park. Um, and I, I'm surprised by how it feels underfoot still. And maybe it's the setup with the taller heel and, uh, you know, some of the reasons that I like some other shoes too for race day. Um, it serves me pretty well. Uh, it, I feel fast in it, which is important, even if I'm not fast. And um, you mentioned it's not very nimble. If you've seen uh, photos of the shoe, you see people like sliding off it. Uh, it's not a real stable shoe. Um, if you're going in a straight line, it's great. But um, there were no turns last night in the race. Surprisingly, it was just a big loop of the park, um, a big arcing turn around the top end of Central Park. So uh, there were no hard turns. So it worked out pretty well. Got it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't seem to have a lot of bite to it underfoot either. I actually had one of my athletes who I coach wearing a half marathon not too long ago, Brooklyn half, and it was raining out. And she you know, was coming to a stop at the finish line and just totally slid out from under her um, because they didn't, they didn't grip where it very well. So I was, I was a little surprised by, by your choice, but I guess I can't argue with you if they, if they're working. Yeah. You know, that's a, uh, that's good intel on that with the, the wet course. We had great dry weather last night. The roads were good. So um, it worked out well for me. Um, well, I'll try it again at other distances and see how it works. All right. So you're at Runner's World. You are the runner in chief. And this is your third go at Runner's World, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But in your two previous stints, like your primary role was the shoe and gear editor. Um, I'm curious, where did your fascination, we may call it an obsession with running shoes first start? You know, I mean, I've always been a geek um, in a lot of different regards, and I I dig shoes. I like to find out what works. I like to try different shoes all the time. So, um, you know, it's been I was at Runner's World for a, a long time before I was the shoes and gear editor too. So I was always testing shoes uh, under the old shoes and gear editor, um, and just kind of grew out of that. Really being exposed to it for so long. In in your experience, like, what is your favorite shoe that you've ever worn and? kind of continuing on to that question, like what makes a good running shoe? Oh, that's easy. Uh, my favorite shoe ever was uh, is still the New Balance 1400, the original version, V1. Um, it's long gone. You can't find it. And you actually mentioned the Instagram thing or Twitter thing the other day. I actually was considering running in that shoe last night. Um, I still have, I think, six pairs, a few of them unworn <laughs> of that shoe hanging around. Um, I, it was the setup, the the makeup of that shoe, the fit, the feel, everything was just perfect for me. Um, and I stockpiled them as, you know, a lot of us runners do when we find something that we love, we, we buy them before they disappear. Um, I've, I've long said that, you know, New Balance keeps trying to make it better. And in my opinion, that they just haven't hit the mark. I know a lot of other people like other versions, um, since V1 that address some issues and newer materials. But for me, it was always V1 was spot on. 
One of the main reasons I wanted to bring you onto the podcast, and we're just going to bring out the elephant in the room right now, and it's something I covered in issue 131 of my newsletter, but Runner's World has a different look and feel to it these days, both in print and online, um, and in terms of the staffing. So David Willey, who is the editor-in-chief for 13 years, he stepped down, I think it was a little over a year ago now. Then Betty Wong-Ortiz, she came and went pretty quickly before you came back on board, um, just in March, as the runner-in-chief. So... This is a pretty loaded question, but what's been going on at Runner's World the past few months? Well, you know, the big thing is we have new owners. Um, the whole company, Rodale, that Runner's World was under for many years, uh, got sold. They went through the process last summer, and um, that was right at the time that Betty came on board. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion, um, the direction of the brand took a turn at that point under Betty. And, um, you know, people didn't, weren't quite sure what was happening with that pending sale. Uh, and so now we are part of Hearst. Um, you know, they're New York City's largest private employer. They're a massive media organization. And um, they've really given us some opportunity here. Um, both Runner's World and Bicycling Magazine, we fall in what they have now dubbed their enthusiast group. Um, so we are uh, sweaty brands, really. They've given us the license to really just focus in on the core, do what we do well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're backing us and supporting us on that. Um, the big thing is, you said, you're going to see a lot of change. And, um, you know, it's no secret that publishing is a pretty tough place to be right now. Um, if you look in the, the running space in general, you know, there's been long time uh, publications that have gone uh, away recently, Marathon and Beyond, uh, Track and Field News, Competitor. Um, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, even for, you know, the larger titles in other spaces as well. And so we've been looking at what it means to operate a magazine in this day and age and, you know, this entire brand that is Runner's World. So you're going to see a lot of changes. Um, you've already seen some changes in print and online, but you're going to see even more coming um, very soon. I think the one of the biggest things that, as I said, we, we're focusing on the core. That doesn't mean we're going to the competitive end of the spectrum at all um, or that we're forgetting newbies or anything like that. But we've, we've been talking about uh, sweaty brands here, you know, Runner's World and Bicycling being sweaty. We get out, we're active. And, you know, the way we, we talk is more like what we would talk on our lunch run now. Um, you know, it's, it's less conservative and safe and, um, you know, we don't treat everybody as a beginner or, um, anything of that nature. It's, we're enthusiasts. We get this. You, you run, we run, we wake up in the morning, we kind of schedule our day around when we're going to run. Um, you've, you've raised your hand and said, yes, I, I kind of belong to this club. Uh, you know, I want to join your crew. And that's runners of all paces, all sizes, all ages. Um, you know, we will still cover the elite end of the spectrum, but, um, you know, by and large, we, you'll see the changes in the, the tone and the style, and it's going to be a little bit more active, a little bit more energetic. So, I mean, how does runner's world appeal to those who are interested in the competitive side of the sport, like the culture of running more advanced training content without alienating those who aren't? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of that is happening in how you seek it out in the distribution. And we're figuring that out. We're, we're still exploring. But, um, you know, if you want some training content, so, you know, we used to publish training plans in a print magazine or um, advice or injury prevention things. Um, in, in 2018, going into 2019, that doesn't really work. People don't do that anymore. They go to Google, right? And they say, I have a problem. How do I fix it? And um, you don't wait for it to come around on some cycle in a, a print magazine anymore. So, 
you know, if you need that kind of advice, we're going to be authentic in the digital space. You can go seek that out. You can find it. We're still doing that. And we have, a, we have a, even a growing staff compared to what we had before. And we have openings now. So if you want to apply, check out our website and uh, come work with us. But um, we, you know, we have, we have a, a whole stable of writers and editors that know this stuff. And they're going to make sure that it we're, it's dialed for that audience that needs that advice. And then in the magazine, what you're going to see is stories that are more immersive. You get to spend more time with and uh, dive into in more depth rather than the the service pieces, the little, as I said, some of the training stuff or the nutrition advice. We're not doing that in print anymore. We're going to have more engaging photo essays and longer form things that really can be a great read for anybody, whether you are a pure beginner or whether you've been a lifelong runner. And we want to make sure that we have the right mix there. Um, we're consciously aware of that as we we do everything. It's all very interesting because when I think of, of Runner's World, I still think of the print magazine. Like that's just the first image that comes to, you know, that comes to my mind. And obviously, as you had mentioned in today's media landscape, like that's a that's a challenging image to maintain. So, I mean, as the guy in charge of editorial, like how do you guys further your footprint in the in the digital space beyond just having a website? Yeah, it's um, it's going out and trying to find those audiences. So we're connecting at Runner's World. We have the great benefit of being able to have a really engaged readership. And um, if you are a runner, you are that enthusiast, you are kind of passionate about what you do. And so you have that less casual relationship with the brand. Um, we know that it's just, it's hard work for us to be able to go out and, and maintain that. So it, regardless of where we are, if we're on social media, if we're on the website, if we are trying to reach you even just through search uh, ways, or, you know, we're out like last night on the roads, I'm, I'm talking with people, you know, connecting one-to-one with readers and runners. Um, you know, that's, that's where we have to do it really to grow it. Um, but you know, we've, we've been told, you know, by Hearst and our company, what we really want to do is we're focusing on the core audience. We're going to get this running media, right. And then we'll be able to grow it from there. What are some of the resources that Hearst provides your team now that you weren't able to take advantage of at Rodale, which was a much smaller operation? You know, it's it's a it's a huge organization, and they think about things in different ways. Even um, I, you know, I did a Facebook Live the other day, and um, it was last week. We were in a studio at Hearst, and it was a three camera setup, and there was a whole team that produced this. And it, you know, it's a bigger thing; it takes a budget. Whereas in past, we would have just stuck an iPhone in my face, and off we went, right? Um, but there's that that element that there's such a big company, and they use these resources across all their different. Um, forms of media, because it's not just magazines that they do. They have television stations and you name it. Um, so to be able to tap into some of those resources is, is great. And then they also, you know, we experiment a lot. We were able to figure out um, and see, is this going to work? And if not, we're going to try something else. But they have a lot of best practices from across their other parts of their business and the other uh, magazines and media that they own as well. So we get a lot of that. And, um, you know, we're constantly from the higher ups talking about what's going to work for this magazine and, and for this brand in general. And how much freedom do you have and, or discretion, I should say, to make the, make the decisions that you feel are, are right for the direction that the brand is heading? Yeah, we've been given a, a lot of freedom to do what we do. I mean, we get a lot of, you know, the feedback about how to um, make everything as effective as we can. But when it comes down to the content, it's it's on us, right? We, my, myself and our editorial director, Bill Strickland, um, you know, we're constantly talking with the team and um, just making sure that the mix of stories is right and that the tone is right and the attitude's right. And, um, 
you know, we, we don't have to check things by anybody, you know, on up the chain. Um, we, we roll with it from within here. Now, you mentioned earlier about some of the team that you have in place at Runner's World now and how that's changed in the last few months since you've come on board. How important is it for readers or people who follow the brand that feel a connection with the personalities behind it? Um, those who are producing the content, folks such as yourself, writers such as Aaron Strout or Marissa Stevenson, Sarah Lorge Butler, like those who those names that we see in the bylines like quite a bit, and just the various other people who are, you know, who are actually producing the content. Like how important is that connection with the reader that they're seeing a lot of the same personalities producing this stuff? I think, you know, there's been a lot of turnover here. I, I won't you know, sugarcoat that when we went through the sale, a lot of people left. And when the transaction happens, that always happens, right? People, people are let go, people um, take off, like I did at one point and came back. Um, and it's still happening as we settle into the new world. Um, you know, we'll have some turnover, but we do have the stability of a bunch of people who've been here over the years and a lot of contributors who, you know, are rock solid. And I think that's perhaps more than readers connecting with any one personality. I think it's, you know, the readers being able to connect with the brand and the authenticity by having those expert voices and those people that really have the knowledge in the space. You know, if we get that right, um, I, I think, you know, we're going to be okay. We, I mean, we do have plenty of people that have been here, like I said, four years now. Um, we do have a, a different direction, different voice and different attitude, as I've said. And, um, you know, that takes some, uh, ability to adapt to, um, to be able to get right. So, uh, you know, we'll find out who, who can do that and what writers are going to be great for it and what editors are going to work in the mix and we'll continue to evolve and, and grow and bring on new personalities as well. So you're back. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it the third time now? This is my third time at runners. World. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I've been and you've been at back men's and journal. Forth. Yeah. Back and forth with men's journal, I think twice now. Um, and you, I mean, you know, you weren't, it didn't seem like you were at Men's Journal all that long the second time uh, before you came back to Runner's World. So I'm curious, like, what, what was it that brought you back so quickly? Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I left during the, a lot of the shakeup um, last year, the, the opportunity, Men's Journal had just gone through a sale of their own and um, their, my old boss at the time got promoted to editor in chief. There was an opening there and, and it happened very quickly. Um, so I, I basically went back to my old job at Runner's, at uh, Men's Journal. Um, as articles editor handling all the gear there and was having a great time. You know, they, they produce a great product as well. And, um, you know, I, I also, as I said, I'm, I'm a geek. I ride a motorcycle. I love to shoot photos, a lot of different things and, um, you know, tech geek as well. So that was like in my wheelhouse too. Um, but I'm a runner first. I've been a runner all my life and, um, I didn't have to give it up there, but I wasn't quite as deep into, uh, running as I wanted. But then when the sale to Hearst finally went through for runner's world and, um, you know, the company reorganized the brand and, um, it's, it's been a big shift. Uh, you know, I got a phone call and we started talking about what runner's world is going to look like and, um, how it's going to be. And, uh, you know, I was asked if I had any interest in coming back and help lead this. So, um, conversations progressed and, uh, you know, I said, yeah, this, this sounds like it's exactly what I want it to be and where, you know, I've wanted to, to go for a long time. Um, I got really excited about the opportunity and I, I still am. So I came back and it was a very short lived journey at uh in general i was really sad to have to leave again um you know it was not ideal i'll i'll admit that but um you know this this opportunity to come back and you know take this chance and and leave this this way is uh it was too good to pass up and what's the feedback been like both in 
inside and outside the walls of Runner's World since you've come back and the content has sort of shifted direction a bit? It, it's interesting. We're getting, you know, good feedback on the the changes that we've been making, um, you know, here and a lot of things like I, I, I quoted, almost, almost directly quoted somebody who said, you don't talk to us like newbies anymore. Or, um, you know, just seeing when the June issue hit newsstands recently, uh, the feedback from people through social media saying, I love it, you know, it's, it's what I wanted. Or, um, you know, you still get some people who say, bring back running times or um, where are, you know, where's Ask Miles or, um, you know, they don't like the change and, and that's natural and that's going to happen. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to evolve as well. And then internally, you know, there's, there's high demands. Um, you know, there's, they have, they want us to do a lot here. Um, and we have big goals that we're, working toward. Um, you know, we finally migrated all of our website content into her systems. Um, that was just a, a recent thing. It's a pretty big undertaking because we weren't the only ones that came over to Hearst. Um, you know, all of the Rodale brands did. So we were with men's health, women's health, prevention, um, you know, runners world and bicycling and um, sort of reinventing a lot of things as well. So um, your feedback has been great. They, the, the thing that we, you know, find is that we are this very engaged brand. Readership uh, is, is great. So we, um, you know, we just have to continue to grow and keep up the good work and even get better. Hey, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this episode. It is Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile fuses fashion function for all runners by creating a personal shopping experience, regardless of where you are in your running journey. It's fun. It's super easy. I got my first box of gear a couple weeks ago, and I was really impressed by how well they nailed my style all the way down to the arm warmers. Super impressive. Here's how it works. Go to mercurymile.com and create a profile. Then you will pick a shipping date and a few days later, you'll receive a curated box of incredible running apparel from a variety of brands that is put together by your own personal stylist. You keep what you love, you send back what you don't. Free shipping, free returns, no subscription necessary. It's as easy as that. Try it today at mercurymile.com and use the code the morning shakeout. That's all one word when you check out and you'll save 10 bucks on your styling fee. My thanks to Mercury Mile for their support of the Morning Shakeout. Let's get back to the show. What's your biggest challenge as runner in chief? You know, it's it, we're, we have to get fully staffed and we have to continue to make the changes, in, implement the changes that we have been going toward. It's, um, you know, not an overnight process. So there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say unanswered questions, but there's a lot of things that we haven't uh unveiled yet that, um, you know, is soon to come. Um, and it's just kind of getting there. Uh, we have some staff in place and as I said, we're, we're bringing more people on and we get fully ramped up and we're really able to, to go. Um, you know, it's going to be fun. How do you dedicate resources or split resources? I should say between the print product and, and online. Yeah, we, you know, we talked about it for a long time here about, um, breaking the divide. We had a team that worked really dedicated to print and a few online people. I mean, I, I got my start at runner's world years ago as an online guy, um, strictly. And, uh, you know, I would think I was one of two at the time. So we were a small team and it's grown, obviously you, you have to, um, we no longer have that division and it, it took a long time, um, to make that happen, but we have editors now. So we have, uh, we have a features team. We have a, a training nutrition uh, staff. We have a test team that's just dedicated to testing products and writing about in reviews of products. And we don't say, okay, this is a print story or this is a digital story, or, you know, I'm only a print editor. Um, we are editors within those sort of beats. Uh, and then we're, we're going to distribute in different ways and we're going to format 
content in different ways depending on where it's going. But um, we don't just think, um, you know, in an old way for print or in, you know, as a digital editor for just putting things to the web. Does the print magazine continue with its monthly consistency or is that something that you guys are rethinking moving forward? And, you know, everything is being uh, evaluated. And so, you know, that conversations happen much higher than me. Um, you know, we're monthly now and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, the commitment to a magazine is definitely here. Uh, you know, that was one of my questions when uh, I was talking about coming back is, you know, what happens in a sale, regardless of who it was going to go to? This was before even, you know, it was at Hearst, it was like, do, does Runner's World and Bicycling go to a digital only format? We've seen a lot of companies do that. We've seen, you know, even like Cycle World went down to four issues a year, um, recently, the Motorcycle Magazine. So there's a lot of questions about what happens with uh, a print magazine these days, especially for smaller titles. But the commitment to building a print product and making it a premium product is definitely here. And, you know, I will say we're going to, we're investing, we're um, changing the physical size of the book and the paper and everything that's going to be, you know, just a quality product that you're going to get in your, you know, your mailbox or on your newsstands. And why are print magazines in general still important? It's, it's one of those things. There is a different experience with it. You know, it's, we, we often talk about um, leaning forward or leaning back um, when you're consuming something. And a lot of it, when you're at your computer or on your phone, you're leaning forward, you're out hunting for something, some kind of information. And you're, you know, you see the stories all the time. Your attention span is terrible when you're on uh, an electronic device. But when you're holding a, a book or a magazine, you know, your ex entire experience changes. You don't have alerts popping up. You can sit back, you can spend more time with a feature story. The, the simple layout and design still can't be beat. You know, I don't care how big your tablet is. Um, it's really hard to replicate that design. Sure, there's not that interaction, but, you know, sometimes you don't need that. The words and photos can still be a great thing. Um, so I'm still a big believer in a print product, you know, it's, it's evolved. It's changed. We no longer print, uh, race results or anything that, you know, used right. to happen, uh, decades ago and it will continue to evolve. Um, but I think there's still space for print. What other media brands outside of the running space inspire you personally, as you start to shift the direction of runner's world? Yeah. I mean, I, I still, like I said, I read cycle world. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a motorcycler too. So I'm a motorcyclist. I, I enjoy that. Um, just what they've done to be able to stay true to that is, uh, is cool. And then I, I still like outside and men's journal, both of those magazines. I think they're, they're big and they're broad, but they stay true to their mission and you know, that, that active lifestyle. Uh, so I, I, I like those. And then, you know, there are the digital places I go, you know, every day is starting the day with the New York times. Um, you know, and it's through the app on my phone of all things, but I figure out what's happening, you know, today from them. One thing like I'm personally interested in is sort of mountain ultra and trail running. And that's a, yes. you know, it's a very niche thing, but it's, it's growing. I mean, we're seeing more events, we're seeing more participation at events. We're seeing better runners get into the competitive side of the sport. I mean, you guys just had Amelia Boone on your cover. I was going through the website the other day and I, I read a feature about Joey Ryan, who's like the ultra running bartender. Like how important is that arguably still very small segment of, of the running, running, running world right now for, uh, to play on some words here to, to you guys moving forward as you know, you expand the, the brand's footprint. I think it's huge. Um, you know, we, what is a runner? 
you know, to define it today, that's the question we have to ask. Like, what what is a runner? There are a lot of people out there who say, I, I'm not a runner, but they probably run three or four days a week. They might run 25 miles a week and they, but they also might do other things. Um, you know, the, the day of that loneliness of the long distance runner, the, the, the guy in short shorts out there pounding the miles and training for a marathon, um, you know, while we saw that popularity of the standard distances and that a traditional kind of runner um, grow. It's plateaued and even receding. If you look at races, they're they're struggling to hit the numbers that they want and need. Um, but then you have all these events, like you said, the Mountain Ultra Trail races are um, around. There are all sorts of non-traditional things. Um, I, I came back from the Red Bull 400 a couple of weeks ago, which is this absolutely crazy uh, race up a ski slope uh, or up a ski jump. Sorry. Um, you know, that's not what you would consider traditional running, but there are these events that are happening and they're challenging and they're, they're every bit running. Um, they're just not the same thing. So I think with the, the mountain ultra trail, it's something that we will keep an eye on and, and cover because it is, it is true running. Um, it's different and it's, uh, some of the, the runners look different. Um, but it's, it's fun. And that's actually a place for me personally, where I, I like to spend my, uh, race entry fees and the mountain races in particular. What are your thoughts on the, I guess, on the competitive landscape of running right now in general, as it relates to track and field and marathons and that, and that upper tier of, of the sport, are you worried for its vitality? And is that something that runner's world can help support through its coverage? It's, it's a small part of, the sport of running, I mean, I still think it's an important part. You know, a lot of the innovation that happens in gear, in particular shoes, um, comes from what the elites need to run at that kind of level, right? Um, it's a sport that's certainly been challenged. Um, it's years, decades ago, it was huge. And um, now, like, you know, we are really kind of you know, so into it, you, you mentioned Shalane Flanagan and you think she's like this huge rock star, right? But you talk to people who aren't runners, they have no idea who Shalane Flanagan is. And, um, you know, that's not the case with other sports. You know, you can, the finals are going on this week now and, you know, you can throw out any, a, a number of NBA player names and, you know, my mother would know them. Um, so it's, it's not on the same level as some of the major sports and it does, uh, you know, it does need help, um, but we're going to cover it as the sport is. And, um, you know, we're going to cheer on great performances and, um, you know, and watch it as we can as journalists. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's going to be okay. There's still going to be that competitive uh, nature, but, it, you know, will it ever be this massive, huge sport here in the U.S.? It's hard to say. What does success look like in your eyes? What does success look like? Well, you know, it has to, it has to be a business, right? We have to, we have to make money. Um, that's the reality of it. And there, you know, when we talk about the, the elite side of the sport, there's, it's not big enough to really support a true business on its own. Like you, know, we've seen some of those titles fold and, um, you know, I, I worked on running times for a while, especially on the digital side. Um, you know, it was, it's a great product and, you know, it needs an outlet. Um, but that, that can't do it on its own. So I think, what success for us at runner's world is going to be is really being true to what it means to be a runner, delivering those experiences that, you know, runners are seeking regardless of where they're seeking it out. You know, we, we're going to have to make sure that we have the right experiences on the website and the right kinds of stories in print so that we can grow those audiences and really uh, engage them better. 
even if we don't, you know, necessarily go huge on the readership and, and grow it massive, we need to be able to keep people around. We need to make them uh, very loyal customers. And um, so we'll, we'll see that play out. In terms of running, what's exciting you right now, personally? Oh, man, you know, it's, I, I, you know, I'm loving the, like I said, the mountain trail ultra scene um, is cool. I'm not an ultra runner. Uh, I, you know, it's just for me, I like the shorter stuff, but um, seeing the growth there and kind of that move back to just low key events, things where you can just walk up to a start line five minutes before a race, have some fun with friends after the race. Um, you know, that's got me excited. And the fact that people are kind of going back into some of these events is really cool. How'd you get into writing and media? Uh, a convoluted way, probably not the way I would recommend um, anybody who wants a career in this, but um, I I went to school for broadcasting and I minored in computer science. And so I ended up working uh, digital jobs on, on websites for the Detroit Pistons at first, where I, I grew up in Detroit. And then uh, I, I made the jump to the NBA and I had always been a runner. Um, I never thought I would work for runner's world though, because I knew they were based out in Pennsylvania, but uh, they had a job open in New York city and it was a, a web job. And so that's how I ended up getting into runner's world back in 2007, I want to say. Um, and it was just purely through uh, the digital side, but all along I had been writing. Um, you know, I was a writer at the NBA. And um, so once I was here, you know, I started contributing more and more and then I uh, took over the gear job a bunch of years ago. And, uh, have been a magazine and web editor ever since. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to break into the business of writing about running or at least getting into the running media space these days? You have to have passion regardless of you know what you want to do. I think um, finding that dream job where you get to do you know, what you really enjoy and get paid for it is um, not always easy. A lot of us end up in jobs we don't like and, um, you know, have to just suffer through them because it pays the bills. And I've fortunately never had that, but I think it's, you know, you have to take some jobs that um, just get you in a door uh, and be willing to do the hard work. You're not going to start, you know, as on day one being editor in chief of a magazine, you're going to be, you know, maybe fetching the mail along with, uh, you know, filling in interviews for somebody. Um, but just really getting in the door and earning your your space there and just trying to improve every single day. And a lot of that, you know, getting in the door is something as simple as getting an internship. Um, you know, that's what, for me, what led to uh, a job at the NBA was I started actually working concession stands uh, for the Detroit Pistons and their properties as a kid in high school. And, you know, through that, I met some people in the building. And when I needed an internship, I got an internship with the Pistons. And then when I graduated college, I got a job with them. So it was, you know, just this constant uh, web of connections, but it was all just meeting people and getting inside first. Shifting gears to just running specifically, what was your, what was your introduction to the sport? Oh boy. Um, I think it was, you know, the early, earliest memories I have were, um, it was training for karate classes when I was a kid on Saturday mornings, we would put on our shoes and leave the dojo and go down to, uh, there was a big grass field in front of a Kmart. So it was just a short run down and we'd do a workout down there and we'd run back. Um, and then around the same time, my father was training for the local 10 K just a little fun run 
uh, in town. And so, you know, I would ride my bike along with him while he was training and then I would run the 5k. I still have a photo. I think it was from 1986, um, from the local paper when I was racing one of my karate friends actually in to the finish uh, of a 5k. Um, but it was just, just running the local 5k, the fun run that was cheap and easy. And the whole family went out for it once a year. And what are your, what are your own goals now? You just ran the corporate challenge the other night. Um, anything else on your radar? I know you like to run Mount Washington, uh, on a yearly basis. What else you got on your agenda? Yeah, it's, uh, I have a bunch of mountain races this summer lined up. Um, actually on early June here, I'm going up to the Adirondacks. There's one of my favorite races is this little trail race called the great Adirondack trail race. And it, um, starts up in the high peaks and you, it's a point to point race. You get bust out to the start and there's only 60 runners and they release one runner every minute. Um, the fastest runners start last. Um, and then, you know, I'll get chased down by somebody along the way, but you go up a 3000 foot climb at the halfway point of this 11 and a half mile race. And then you go 3000 feet back down, uh, to finish in the town of Keene Valley, um, up in upstate New York. It's, it's a blast. There's, you know, really, really tough running. And then somewhere three or four miles in, you hit a bog and it's just, it's waist deep mud, like shoe sucking mud. And then you, you climb out of that and you're, you know, scrambling back up the mountain. Um, so that's fun. And it's just, it's a really rugged trail race. And then the following weekend is Mount Washington. So that's kind of the total opposite. It's, uh, up the auto road but it's seven and a half miles and the road just keeps coming at you. It goes up 4,500 feet over seven and a half miles. So it's a, a real grind. Uh, and then, uh, my final one is actually, I'll go out to, um, Pikes Peak, uh, in August and I'm going to run the ascent there. Well, that's not totally true. Cause one of your colleagues tells me that at the end of August, um, and I won't totally give it away, but his first name rhymes with, uh, with sit and his last name rhymes with box told me about a little bet between the two of you that'll take place. I think on the last day of August, looks like you guys are going to run a mile and the winner will take home a case of beer. And apparently you've been talking a big game. So I'm wondering, or said colleague might be wondering, um, are you really that confident or are you hiding some fear behind a mask? No, I'm, I'm pretty cocky. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I joke around a lot with, uh, Kit Fox, my, my colleague, he already owes me a case of beer, by the way, from the fifth Avenue mile last year. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to do a little rematch at the end of August and, uh, Double we're gonna race four laps of the track. Yeah. Well, no, no, it just straight up. He, I still want that other <laughs> case of beer, <laughs> but yeah, I've been talking a lot of trash with him and it's been, it's been fun. Maybe, you know, most, uh, work relationships aren't the same where, uh, you know, you, you trash talk each other, but we go out on the lunch run and we'll hit a hill and I'll drop him on the hill. Or, um, you know, last night we ran the corporate challenge and, um, you know, I was joking around with him telling him I beat him by a minute per mile, whatever. Um, you know, it's just any chance I get to sort of get up in his head, but, um, he's got, he's got a coach and he's taking his training plan seriously. Uh, I haven't been yet. So, um, I'm going to have to start hitting the track at some point. Um, but we'll see what happens at the end of August. All right. You'll have to get it together so you don't get out kicked by Kit Fox. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed the conversation. Before we uh, part ways here, where can my listeners connect with you online? Yeah, I mean, you can see all of our work at runnersworld.com, of course, but I'm on uh, increasingly Twitter and Instagram at Dengatorade uh, on both services. And that's a wrap on this week's episode, which was brought to you by Mercury Mile. Go to mercurymile.com, create a profile, 
Then you pick a shipping date, and a few days later, you'll receive a curated box of incredible running apparel that is put together by your own personal stylist. You keep what you love, you send back what you don't. It's free shipping, free returns, and no subscription necessary. It's as easy as that. Unfortunately, that offer is only available to U.S. listeners right now, so I apologize to those of you tuning in from abroad. But for those of you who do live in the U.S., try it today at mercurymile.com and use the code THEMORNINGSHAKEOUT when you check out and save 10 bucks on your styling fee. Big thank you to all of you listening to this. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to support the show, the easiest thing you can do is subscribe to The Morning Shakeout on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume audio content and leave a rating and a review. Only takes a minute or two, but it has a big impact and it helps other listeners discover the show. You can also support my work directly on Patreon by going to themorningshakeout.com slash support. Much gratitude to those of you who have already done so. It means a lot to me. And finally, a special thank you to my audio engineer, John Isaac of bearsrecords.com, who does all of my editing and helps this show sound as good as it does. Don't know what I'd do without you, John. All right, that's all I've got for this episode. Until next time, I'm Mario Fraley, and thank you for listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast.